This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. All right, hello and welcome to uh, another episode of Get Started Investing, a podcast where we attempt to answer the most common money and investing questions from the Get Started Investing community in an attempt for us all to become better investors. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We do strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Now, while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal circumstances. All information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only. With that said, let's crack on. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, Excited for episode three of this Under the Hood series. Loving it so far and loving that it's not just you and I trying to navigate yeah. this world. Get a bit of a breather. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, are, we continue our Under the Hood series with Global X ETFs and it is our pleasure to welcome back uh, our guest in the first episode, Kanish Chug, uh, Head of Distribution. Kanish, welcome. Hi, good to be back. Man, what a cracker first episode. I know. <laughs> and reviews were off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, Ren, did you have the chicken burger after? Uh, I didn't. Okay. I might save right. it as a celebratory for the end of the 10. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let me know. If we keep talking about it, I might have to get multiple chicken <laughs> Exactly. Now, as you know, Under the Hood is uh, a series where we're answering the biggest investing question, how do I analyse an ETF? We have plenty of the Equity Mates community wanting to invest in ETFs, but there are plenty of different ways that you can go about analyzing them. And this is a series where we uh, take each episode and address one way in which you can analyze an ETF. And in today's episode, we're asking the question, what index are we tracking? How is it made? Because it can be quite confusing at times. Yeah. And the ETF that we're looking at to do this is Global X's Global Robotics and Automation ETF. The ticker is Robo. And Kanish, like we do for a lot of these episodes, we have a question from the community that uh, touches on this theme. Hey, Equity Mates, quick question. There are so many thematic ETFs out there, and I'm wondering who decides what goes into an ETF? For example, who decides if Tesla is an ESG or not? Wow, tough one there. Big one. Tough uh, one. Before yeah. we even get to ESG. the question, uh, Tesla, <laughs> ethical or unethical? <laughs> well, don't, don't it, 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 well, no, no, look, uh, to Tesla passes ESG screens. Because it's a uh, you know from a governance perspective, sustainability, social you know such all those ESG screens. So in the the basic sense, yes, it's it, it is ethical. Ethical. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it's an interesting question, Kanish, because we've discussed a little bit in episode one about some of the major index providers, but understanding who makes those decisions and who decides what goes in, it's not something that we actually spend a lot of time talking about, well, but I it think, is very important. Well, I think the most common assumption is that it's the ETF issuer yeah. that makes those decisions. It's Global X or it's you know any of your competitors who say ethical or unethical or technology, not technology. Mm-hmm. But do you ever make those decisions? Not in the portfolio sense, no. Yeah. So that's where we would become active managers. Mm. Um, now, we currently don't have any active funds or active ETFs. And from our perspective, all of our ETFs track an underlying benchmark. So what that means is we've identified and chosen a benchmark with equities. We've essentially chosen a index, an equity index, so that's representing a basket of stocks. And we leave it up to that index and the rules of that index to decide what's in and what's not. So then the question becomes, if it's not the ETF issuer making those decisions about what's in the index, who is it? So there are different index managers. So what is an index manager? Essentially, they are companies that have and manage those those different indexes. So the you know for the equities, it's basket basket of companies, and it, you know there are over three million indexes around the world. What? Because <laughs> we should try and find the most niche <laughs> index that's out there. Well, not all remember not all indexes are used for ETFs to track. Mm. So a lot of active managers will use them as reference benchmarks. So they will say, I'm trying to outperform the. S&P ASX 200 index by 3%. So they still have to license that from that index manager. So that's why you have so many different types. You also have different indexes in different currencies. You have, you know, so all the variations, it could be the one index, but it could be in Australian dollars, it could be US dollars, it could be in euros, it could be in yen. Now that's just five I've listed of the same, essentially same index. Wow. Wow. Still three million. Yeah, it's it's a lot, and that's only growing. And the ETF industry has probably turbocharged some of that growth mm. because ETFs have made uh, exposures and certain themes and sectors a lot more accessible. And so, because of that, you then have more development in that index world. So you've got companies that create these indexes that you, as an issuer, then track and create the ETF around that around that index. Yes. So can you give us some examples then of who these uh, index companies are? Sure. So some of the biggest ones and you know if you watch the the finance reports you'll see the S&P yep. ASX 200 to S&P Standard and Poor's they're one of the largest index managers. Um, FTSE, MSCI, uh, you've got Nasdaq, um, but then there's also newer index providers and index managers that have started coming to especially the ETF space. So they're companies like Solactive. And, you know, at GlobalX, we use and track a lot of Solactive indexes. There's a company called INDXX. Um, so basically it's index, but sometimes it's, it's easy to say INDXX because that's actually, you know, its name. They're another index manager and they do a lot of work around thematics as well. Hmm. So you then go down the path and there's companies like Morningstar, as well. So it's these guys that are making the decision of what goes in the S&P 500. Standard and Poor's are making the decision of what goes in that index. Yes, they essentially create the rules. 
because remember, an index is defined by a rule book and those rule books are public. So if anyone actually wanted to, they could go and look at the rule book, the guidelines of any of the indexes that ET- passive ETFs track. Mm. And so our job as an ETF issuer when we're developing an ETF is we speak with the index managers and we speak with all of them and we will try to work out depending upon what exposure we want to provide investors um, within that ETF too. We will speak with all the index managers and ask them, what do you do? What can you do in that space? Sometimes it's an off the shelf. It's already there. You know, it's been used by an ETF in the US or, you know, they've developed that index. So it's got some history and we can go, okay, we can take that and we can use that straight away. Sometimes there is a bit of back and forth. And, you know, we may say, well, you know, and that's in that product development stage where we take client feedback, et cetera. So let's take the ASX 200 index, one that most people listening will likely have heard of. If they're not investing in it, they might have heard it on the seven o'clock news or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, it f- tracks the 200 biggest companies in Australia. We could all do the work to figure out the 200 biggest companies in Australia and put them in order. Yep. So why do we need S&P? Why don't we just do it ourselves? Should we cut them out of it? (laughs) (laughs) I, I would say, do you have the time to do that every day? I got heaps of time. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, cool. Well, 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 then yes. If you do, then theoretically, yeah, you, you, you could do it yourself. Mm. So when I say that, you know, ETFs are such a transparent vehicle that we tell you as an ETF provider, you go on any of our products, especially the equity products, you can see the whole portfolio updated daily. The index managers give you that rule book. So yeah, theoretically, anyone can take that and replicate it themselves. But what we're trying to do as an ETF issuer is make it easier and more cost efficient for you to do that. So if you were to, say, create that index yourself and track it and and manage it, but then you have to trade it. You're trading 200 stocks. What happens when the index rebalances every quarter and there is some change of the weight? But aren't... Uh, isn't Global X trading it? Well, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we. I'm not trying to cut you out. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no you can't do what yeah, you do. Well, we'll keep. We'll do what we do. But I guess that's the whole concept. Is they are the, an independent party as mm-hmm. well. So there's no ability for anyone. Like for us, we don't decide within our say in the Robo ETF. We don't decide to buy. You know, Intuitive Surgical, which is a company that produces medical devices and they do the robotic medical device machines versus, say, um, Kayence or Kayence, which is a company that does sort of sensing and actuation, for example. So that's not our job. Our job is to track that index that we've, you know, worked with that index manager to decide and choose. And we monitor that, by the way. So I'll give you an example. We work with the index manager, so ACDC, is our battery tech and lithium ETF. I know we're unwrapping Robo, but battery tech and lithium, within that index, we actually worked with the index manager, which is Solactive, because we felt that there should have been an ESG screen in place in that particular ETF. At the time when that index was developed eight years ago, seven years ago, that wasn't the case. And there may not have been a need for it. The industry of that thematic may have been too small, so they didn't do it. Now, the feedback that we got from clients and from investors, we felt that that would needed to be done. So we 
ask that question of the index manager and then they run through a public consultation. It's not just us deciding. Mm. They go through a big public consultation. They go through a process. They've got an index committee. So there's a lot more nuance and structure and process within that index you know, management than just one person having a dartboard and throwing a cane. Yeah, do I, do I like Tesla today or do I like BYD? Mm. Um, you know, it's more than that. And so they actually implemented an ESG screen last year, which then when it rebalanced, our ETF replicated and tracked. Well, well, that does lead us nicely to to Robo or in full name, Global X's Global Robotics and Automation ETF. As you mentioned there, Kanish, you know, some index providers actually have pretty specialized knowledge in creating thematic ETFs and, and really giving us exposure to quite, uh, I, I guess, niche megatrends or thematics or whatever it may be. And, and this is certainly the case with, with this ETF. So can you tell us about the index provider behind Robo and how, and how this is actually brought to life? Robo Global is a bit of a unique company. So it's not as well known as S&P or FTSE or NASDAQ or you know, um, Bloomberg, for example. Um, but it's quite specialized within this space. And that's why we chose it for our robo ETF. So we wanted to provide investors exposure to the thematic of robotics, automation, and artificial intelligence. Now, there is no sector classification for that theme. There's no industry classification. You know, so how do you do that? And that's where RoboGlobal came about. Essentially, RoboGlobal was founded by stock pickers. So people that their day job was to identify names and pick them and invest in them. And they brought together experts within the robotics, the automation, the AI fields to essentially create this company to go, let's redefine and let's define, not even redefine, let's define what this thematic is and what the companies that are associated with this thematic. Mm. Because it could be, it's industry agnostic, it's sector agnostic, it's country agnostic. So it goes across many different areas. And I think that's really important. So it was started... Um, in the US and it's got a number of ETFs that track their indexes. They've got you know this particular index, which is the Robo Global Robotics and Automation Index. But the best thing about this company for me is it's as close to an active manager as you can get because they have a research team of five people. They've got a head of research, they've got analysts. So these people are actively going out and speaking to companies to identify and work out What's their revenue priority? Are they market leaders? Are they doing innovation in their specific space, whether it's 3D printing, whether it's sensing, whether it's you know actuation? They're also working out what does that universe look like? So they've got an actual analyst and research team. Now, because we're not actively changing the strategy every day, we don't have to charge active fees, which is why that's a, that's a benefit of the ETF. We'd, they've created it in index form, which means you're buying the theme, you're not buying just one specific name. Mm. Now, that research team creates this universe, that rules are then applied on that universe to create the ETF. But the best part about this is that research team is supported by what they call their strategic advisors. So Robo Global engaged with nine strategic advisors. So these are people across this field of robotics, automation, from academia, entrepreneurs, etc. Seven out of the nine, I was looking at this the other day, seven out of the nine have PhDs. So you've got people like Dr. Henry Christensen. So he's um, essentially Qualcomm. So Qualcomm, we know Qualcomm is one of the big semiconductors. He's there, Qualcomm's Chancellor's Chair of Robot Systems. So he's essentially heavily involved within that space. You've got, you know, Raphael D'Andrea, 
he created, and I think I've spoken about you know this before, but he's created um, Kiva Systems, which now is Amazon Robotics. Mm. So when you look at those logistical warehouses and the the fulfillment centers, and you see all these little robots filling your boxes when you order your when you order your Amazon, that's essentially Raphael. Raph d- has created that. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of tie this up before we go under the hood. Um, You've got the big index providers, your Standard & Poor's, your FTSE, which is the Financial Times, Stock Exchange, you've got MSCI. They're your big index providers. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Robo Global, who is still an index maker, yep. index provider, but very specialised, very niche, bringing in all of these experts to create indexes that Global X and other ETF issuers can go out and create ETFs around. Exactly right. And so we use them because they were so targeted, so specialized, and we felt at the end of the day, we want to provide best of breed products. And a lot of our product development process is founded on research and making sure that the product that we give is best of breed and actually does, you know, when you lift under the hood of that ETF, you can work out and identify that I'm buying an ETF that gives me exposure to the thematic of robotics automation and artificial intelligence so we make sure we partner and license indexes that do that well let's go under the hood and let's have a look at this particular etf so as always when we're going under the hood the place to start is the etf issuers website so for global x etfs that's globalxetfs.com.au bryce let's rip through the key information Purpose, index, fees, hit me. Ready? Go, hit some music. Purpose. This ETF seeks to invest in companies that, uh, as Kinesh said, potentially stand to benefit from increased adoption and utilization of robotics and artificial intelligence. Pretty straightforward. It tracks, as we've just discussed, the, uh, the Robo Global Robotics and Automation Index uh, and has fees of 0.69%. So that's what it wants to do, Yeah. how it does it, how much it costs to do now let's talk about performance robotics and automation and artificial intelligence buzzy uh parts of the market yes so look performance if i put it in a one year perspective given how volatile 2022 was especially for particular sectors that robo invests in it performed and provided a return of 0.67%. So still positive. Up in 2022 is a win. Yeah, well, and it's funny because, again, we associate um, robotics, automation and AI companies to be tech stocks. Mm. They're not always tech stocks. You know, you could have a company like John Deere, sells tractors yeah that's in the that's in the etf love it um because they have a lot of automated tractors Mm. that they sell so it's not just tech companies that have been impacted by that sort of turn from growth to to value last year in 2022 Um, but over five years this fund's returned 8.17 percent annualized so per year the index returned 8.76 percent so the tracking difference which is that difference between the fund and the benchmark is 0.56%. So that's what we're aiming for. So that means that tells me that us as an ETF issuer, we're doing our job. We're tracking the index implicitly. Actually, we're doing better because that difference should just be the fee. And it's actually less than that. Mm. Nice. All right. Well, that's where we want to start when we go under the hood. Hell yeah. Now we go to top holdings. And guys, no surprise here. United States at number one, 44%. Uh, Japan though, 
coming in at 20%. I, I wasn't surprised by that. Japan's the home of robots. It is. Yeah, automation, yeah. factory automation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also wasn't surprised by the third, Germany, mm. you know, the industrial powerhouse of Europe. Not surprising there as well. So not a lot of surprises there. Anything that stands out? The only thing is that it seems truly global. There's no, uh, I guess, defining characteristic here between developed and emerging. It's just you're going to get exposure wherever the best companies are. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kanish. Yes, so this index or this ETF also looks at developed markets plus Taiwan and Korea. So again, that's been a slight um, change rather than just going developed or broad. And the reasons for that is that was, you know, Taiwan and Korea, still very developed and you can see that there you know taiwan being number four and china as well uh and china as well Well, uh, does china no no, but but china there is some exposure to to chinese names as well at some point it feels like those classifications have to shift like south korea like if come on (laughs) anyway that's not for us to decide Uh, which actually is why in a lot of our thematic etfs we actually include countries like korea um and taiwan in particular because we don't want to exclude them you can't It just won't work. Uh, So the sectors, not surprisingly, uh, pretty even split between information technology at 43% and industrials at 41%. Um, Healthcare, surprisingly, comes in at 13%. And the biggest weighting in the uh, ETF is a company that I really love talking about and is in the healthcare space. So we'll get to that in a second. And then a little bit in the consumer space, consumer discretionary and consumer staples. So no real surprises there. But let's get to the top holdings because number one uh, is one that I have heard of. Number two and number three, certainly not. Intuitive Surgical, Mm. maker of the Da Vinci machine. Machine, exactly. I referenced earlier, so they make basically it's a Da Vinci machine is like a mid-body robotic medical machine. So it allows um, surgeons and doctors to essentially run mid-body operations, but through robotic arms. So very precise. The precision is amazing. Crazy. So there was a YouTube video of the Da Vinci machine peeling a grape and then stitching it back together, the skin of the grape. So that's how precise you can do it. And essentially, if you've got good enough internet, that surgeon <laughs> and doctor could be sitting across the world. You that's know, wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and still running that surgery. God, you'd want good internet. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to be in our studio. Right now, Bryce and I are both hotspotting off his phone. Yeah, you, you don't want it to drop out at that critical point in time. No, yeah. you don't want it. You Someone's running to reset the modem. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Um, but outside of intuitive surgical, a few names that I haven't come across. Kent Corporation, Bryce? No. Cognex Corp. Uh, something to do with cognitive stuff uh, yeah all right we might have to turn to Kanish on this <laughs> so Kent they do automation sensors vision systems barcode readers etc so think about within a factory some of the sensing that's required for an automated factory to operate you know that's essentially what Kent's produces technology for so when you think about robotics and automation and artificial intelligence they essentially it's like they all work together so it's like a, a trinity essentially and so you need everything to work together so if you've got the factory that you know has the robots that puts all the things together you have to have the sensing equipment that actually does the work you have to have the software equipment you have to have the actuation so the parts that go into making that robot Mm. and then you have to have the software that can learn off itself which is the ai Mm. so it's all all encompassed and all intertwining and what about cognex kanish so cognex essentially it provides um vision products within that space of using sensing 
So again, within the robo ETF, you're going to have a lot of what you have is the companies that produce the parts to make and you know allow for automation to work. So that's your sensing software, your actuation, the semiconductors, etc. But then you also have the other part, which is the actual application side. So Intuitive Surgical produces medical devices, John Deere produces tractors. Mm. So that's where you've got the two differences. Well, I think my key takeaway here is there's 10 names, uh, eight of which I haven't heard of. And I, and I love that about A, investing, coming across new companies. But B, this is a great example of having a specialized niche index maker who uh, puts a lot of time and expertise into creating an index that can then turn into a, a great thematic ETF. So, Ren, um, to close out, same question or for, for all of us, where does this fit in our portfolio? Well, again, I think it's a, it's a long-term trend, robotics and automation and AI, certainly not going anywhere. So, I'd be thinking about this long-term. Because it's thematic um, and, you know, Kanish, as you said earlier, it's, it's as close to stock picking as you'll get in a passive ETF. Um, for me, this is a satellite holding, um, but it's a compelling one. It is. It's essentially, yeah, it's a satellite holding. So when people think megatrends are investing in thematics, you want it to be long-term. You know, people can be tactical with those things, but my, my general view on that is it's a long-term trend. Satellite, it complements, again, broad exposures. So we, you know, we, in the first episode, we talked about tech. Tech's that global sector play complements broad global equity exposures, mm. your international allocations. Robo does the same thing. But for investors, this has to align to your views and values of how you see the thematic world operating as well. That brings us to the end of our third episode. And hopefully you've got another uh, tool to add to your kit when it comes to analyzing ETFs. Uh, we, we tried to answer the question around what index are you tracking and how is it made? We know that it can either be made by some of the largest index track, uh, index companies in the world, your S&Ps, your FTSEs, your MSCIs, or on the other end, there are specialist index uh, companies that make these uh, niche thematic ETFs. You can find all of the information on the underlying index and uh, the rules that they follow to create the index on all of the ETF um, information pages found on the website. So uh, you can find more information at globalxetfs.com.au and a big thank you to GlobalX for supporting the Under the Hood series. GlobalX are a leading player in the ETF industry with a robust platform and over 30 targeted products globally. They have a trusted reputation with over a million clients in 95 countries and are uniquely positioned to identify and analyze disruptive companies with their industry-leading research team and global access. And uh, we're lucky enough to have uh, their expertise throughout these 10 episodes. Kanish, thank you so much. Pleasure as always. And uh, we've got you back on in a couple of episodes' time. Looking forward to it. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 5406. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.